I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you like listening to? Um. <laughs> chart music. <laughs> chart music. Pop craze youngsters, and welcome to the latest episode of Chart Music, the podcast that gets its hand right down the back of the settee on a random episode of Top of the Pops. I'm your host, Al Needham, and with me today are Neil Kulkarna. Hello there, mate. And Simon Price. Hello. Boys, how are we? Come and sit by the fire and tell me of all the pop and interesting things that have occurred of late. Hey, you know what? I have actually done some popping interesting things. Been to see some... Ooh. Well, I mean, interesting in as much as I've been to see some modern pop music, which was rather good. Good lord. Yes, but I've also gone to see some old pop music that was fucking awful. Um, I had to... Uh, it was an integrity-free reviewing job, basically. I had to go and see um, Lulu um, at Birmingham Town Hall. Um, do, I, do you mean Lulu? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Did she do that? Um, did she do, no, she, well, to be honest with you, she, she didn't do Everybody's Got the Club. Um, no, she, no she, uh, <laughs> the thing is, I missed the opening, so I must have missed Shouts, I think. The reason I missed the opening, I've, I've given recommendations before, don't fucking drive to Birmingham. Don't walk in Birmingham either, um, because it's all, it's a bomb site at the moment. But anyway, I got there late. What, what you got to do then? Hover? Or well, something. yeah, hovering 30 feet above the ground would be better than fucking walking, because everything's bloody well closed <laughs> off. It's a frigging nightmare there at the moment. But yeah, sure. got there late. Um, I quickly twigged that I was kind of the youngest person there, so you can imagine how old the audience was. Um, she, uh, as I walked in, she was she did a, she mixed kind of doing songs with doing like a presentation mm. behind her, you know. So um, she what, PowerPoint it, it, and everything. It was almost a PowerPoint. She was showing videos and stuff. And as I got in, she was saying, "And then I married a BG," and the whole crowd <laughs> sort of melted at that. And then she started joining in with herself singing with uh, Morris on um, First of Bloody May, a song that we slapped no. on. Yeah. Oh, man, it was awful. Um, it was um, it was good. Did she have a Christmas tree that was at once very small and then very tall? <laughs> no, all the way around. Very tall and then very small. No, but I was sat there glowering at that line. Um, I was the only one who was, obviously. There were some hyper-dedicated fans, and it was always... It's always entertaining watching old people dance, basically. But of she course. but she come she come across basically like um, a sort of seventy year old toyer, um, monstrously right. oh, like there's a thought. yeah, really arrogant, but coming across as trying to come across anyway as just you know we Marie from Glasgow, 
Um, mm. But um, yeah, that was a that was a pretty awful evening all round, really. Um, oh, and, and she did some terrible covers. She ended with uh, "I'm Still Standing," but you know the Elton John song. <laughs> you can imagine oh. what that was like. But what particularly angered me was that she covered um, "Teardrops" by Womack and Womack for seemingly oh. no good reason other than to shit on my memories of that song. So fuck you, Lulu. Oh, mate. Where can we uh, where can we read this from, um, Neil? Read yeah, it? no, no, you can't read it because, as I said, it was an integrity free job. I'm not telling you where it was. Oh, right. um, I, I've I've already pissed the money up the wall. Um, no truth came out in that review. It was merely a kind of nodding of assent. Sell out. Yes, sell yes, out. I happily sell out at this stage. Yeah, definitely. So would I, to be honest. <laughs> okay, pop crazy youngsters. You know what you got to do. You got to find that review for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what you been up to, Simon? Come on, tell me um, all. Well, um, I've got something I want to plug, actually. Um, and this is mainly only of interest to people in the London area, I suppose, sadly. But I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there's a club night I'm involved in called Late Night Minicab FM. Oh, yes. Um, and it's not my night. Um, it belongs to Alexis Petridis from The Guardian and John O from Bugged Out. But I'm sort of the third Beatle of the gang. Um, I'm sort right. of like a permanent guest DJ. You're like Taxi Bez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, shaking my maracas in the back of a taxi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically um, the concept is, is, is songs you hear uh, on the radio at 3am in the back of a taxi um, when you're pissed and the driver's got like Magic FM or Heart or Mellow Magic playing mm. and, and you're a bit emotionally vulnerable because of the booze. <laughs> so these songs that normally you just wouldn't listen to at all, they just whack you right in the feels, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, this, mm. so basically we do a whole night just devoted to that. So there's plenty of Carpenters and Lionel Richie and Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and Chicago and REO Speedwagon. You get the idea. And people just Jesus. go nuts for it, like f- yeah. fists of pure emotion everywhere you look. And uh, <laughs> yeah, normally... normally uh, I mean, what do people do? I mean, does anyone actually dance yes actually they do it's sort of arms around each other's shoulders swaying and screaming along to like uh, i try it is convivial yeah and so normally it happens in brighton it's just a little pub in brighton called the west hill of course it does <laughs> what do you mean what does that mean al <laughs> apart from the fact that i live here <laughs> yeah, carry on anyway all right okay God. Mr. Northern Integrity, Mr. Authentic. <laughs> Don't you, anyway, I'm Midlands, mate. How dare you? Well, yeah, it's all north to me. Uh, but we're bringing it to London for the first time on the 23rd of November. That's why I'm plugging right. it. Right, um, where? It's at, um, at uh, the Social on Little Portland uh. Street, and with special guest Katie Puckrick. Good lord! Um, off off the telly, yeah. Ms. Yacht Rock herself nowadays, I believe. Well, we're expecting a lot of yacht rock in her set, indeed. Mm. Yeah. So what we're saying is, you can get here by caravan. <laughs> Across the desert like an Arab man. We don't care how you get here. Just get here if you can. What's the fastest song you play in that set, Simon? Well, we speed up a little bit towards the end. And like one sort of, like actually a couple of big anthems there for the last hour. Things like Silver Lady by David mm-hmm. Song uh. or You're So Vain by Carly Simon. So that kind of 70s mid-paced stuff where you can have a dance but also scream your lungs out. And yeah, it's just great fun. Excellent. So there no, we go. I, I do like the sound of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm that age you now can, where you can I just sneer all you like. Man. But if you were the... no, I'm not sneering, yeah, you would, man. No, you would I think it's a yeah. grand idea. <laughs> you know, my age now, I don't want to get up. I just want to sit exactly for about yeah. five yeah. hours and listen to music. So yeah, this sitting clubs, sitting clubs of the future. Yeah, mm. I want to do one called uh, Night Bus Home, <laughs> which is just me sat behind people playing landfill rap on a mobile phone. <laughs> Yeah, do it in Brighton, man. They'd love it down here because we're so ironic. Yeah, I've 
well, we have got a bit of news, haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of machinations, or whatever you call it, uh, behind the scenes at Chart Music, and uh, I-, I believe now's the time to uh, reveal all that to the general public. Da, da, so, da. Yeah. Well, first things first, from next episode, Chart Music is linking up with Great Big Owl. Now, it don't know if you know them or not, but they, they're the people who do things like Smirsh Pod, Rule of Three, WrestleMare, The One Show Show, just a, just a big load of British podcasts, mm. and uh, they like the way we work, baby, no diggity. <laughs> and uh, they've asked us to link up with them, and I had a bit of a chit-chat with them, met them in London a, a few weeks ago, and I like the cut of their jib, because what they're going to do, essentially, is take all the fucking technical shit off my back, yeah. which I'm mm-hmm. rubbish at. So, yeah, not only that, but they're going to help us out with merchandising and even, at some point, get us in on their live events. Cool. Yeah. Bummer dog t-shirts. Yeah. Yes. Heterosexual rock and roll badges and all that. Yeah, we're essentially setting ourselves up for the next decade and, and, and to keep chart music going. Uh, but there's going to be a couple of changes uh, by the way we do things. Number one is that from next episode, the general release will be split up. So it won't be one big wodge as it has been yeah. for the past uh, 44, 45 episodes. Uh, we're going to split it up and put it out on a day-to-day basis. So we'll start on the Monday and we'll finish on the Thursday or on the Wednesday if it's a 90s one and it's shit and we haven't got much to say about <laughs> it. Oh, and the day after, we run the whole episode in its entirety. Um, a, an encore presentation, if you will. Mm. Yeah. You know, people complain to us that, you know, they'd like to listen to chart music, but uh, it's it's too fucking big to get on their phones. And I'd just say, well, get a better phone then, you mingy cunt. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't go down too well. We have a lot of commute listeners. Yeah. Mm. They get a bit put off by the thought of a four-hour podcast, which to me is fucking thick, because that's like, you know, getting a book and saying, oh, I can't read that on the toilet in one go, so I won't bother. I, I, I've tried to explain to them, well, you know, if you're a commute listener... You know, fucking walk to work in the opposite direction or 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 get a job in Belgium or somewhere like that. But no, they're not having it. So so we're we're gonna satisfy them by splitting up the episodes. Yeah. And the other thing we're gonna do we're gonna start running adverts. I hate adverts as well. You hate adverts. We all hate adverts. But it's what every podcast does nowadays to earn a little bit of cash on the side. And, you know, that's the reason why you've got a 30-second fast-forward button on your podcast player. Conrad Knight socks. Yeah, yeah. Conrad Knight socks. (laughs) This is all sounding like the Clash signing to CBS, we know. but, But trust me, this is what we need to do to ensure that chart music goes on for as long as it needs to. But am I right in saying that if you're a Patreon Well, person, yes, let's... Yeah, go on. So, yeah, obviously when this was put to us by Great Big Al, it was like, oh, yes, yes, let's have a bit of this. But then I immediately thought, oh, shit, what about the pop craze Patreons? They've supported us through thick and thin for the past couple of years, and I don't want to see them fucked over. Uh, so this is what we decided to do. If you're in the $5 tier, you will get the full episode without adverts on the day it comes out. If you're in the $3 tier, you'll get the full episode without adverts on the Wednesday. So essentially, if you are a Pop Craze Patreon, nothing is going to change for you. You will get pure, uncut chart music. Mm. The other thing I really need to stress as well is that Great Big Owl have absolutely no say on how we do things. 
in chart music world. You'll get the same episode. It'll be the same people talking the same shit about the same Thursday evening related program of old. The same amount of swearing and hatred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, same amount of swearing. So, crucially, yeah. for us and for the Patreon people, nothing will change. Um, yes. And anything that can enable a range of Neil Kukani approved pop star sandwiches is to be approved. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah. We need to clarify as well that the, the company we're talking about is Great Big Owl, O-W-L, not Great Big Owl. Yeah, it's not yeah. your stri- this yeah. isn't your stripper name. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I'm also really pleased that apparently we're going to be on sort of platforms like Acast and stuff like that, aren't we? Mm. Which, um, yeah. uh, you know, m- most of the podcasts I listen to are usually football things like uh, Top Flight Time Machine and the Gary uh, Lineker and Danny Baker one. They're all on there. Loads of great things are on there. So it's just, it means we'll, we'll be found by more people and it'll just mm, spread yes. the word and spread the love and spread spread the community, the family of chart music a bit further, yeah, the, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that there are people out there who don't even know what a bummer dog is? <laughs> That's but, fucking wrong. <laughs> we're doing all right already, though, aren't we? What about these chart positions? Tell everyone about yes. that. Fucking hell, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I suddenly discovered that we're in the uh, we're we're in the iTunes charts for uh, for various things, music commentary and music, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was quite a thrill for us. Seeing us go up and down the charts and thinking, oh, oh, we got up sixteen places today. That that'd get us on top of the pops. <laughs> uh, I thought the other week it says, oh, that position there, that that would mean that we would get on top of the pops, uh, but Legs and Co be dancing to us. <laughs> I'd love to see Legs oh, and yes. Co dancing over Taylor. <laughs> talking I bet about he would. Toya. Yeah. But yeah, so the adverts they will they'll be top and tailed, and there'll be I think there'll be one in the middle of an episode, but it'll be in the right place. It won't interrupt any of our bitching or anything like that. And uh, no, we won't break off to, to talk about ball shaving stuff. You know, we're not going to do them kind of adverts. <laughs> so don't you fret, it'll be fine, everyone. The thing that jumped out at me about the uh, chart positions, I mean, obviously, we do all right in uh, English language countries, New Zealand and Canada yes. and so on, and Australia. Uh, yeah, God bless you, former colonials. And and in, in Britain, um, I think we rose as high as number six recently, which... Uh, is, yes, is we the did. same as Mr. Blue Sky by ELO and um, yes. uh, Open Your Heart by the Human League. So that's the kind of <laughs> oh, know, man, level we're what on. What a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, uh, it turns out that we're actually, we've got a listenership in Spain. Yes. So, yeah. So, hola to our Spanish listeners. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, to expats, you know, hearing us swearing about pop music, must, must be, it must be as reassuringly <laughs> British as, you know, I don't know, Marmite yeah. or something like that. You know? It reminds me of being down the pub in the old days. <laughs> uh, or a can yeah. of long life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the live possibilities as well, I'm particularly excited by that. Um, chart mm. music on ice, you know? Yes. Um, it, 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 something to look forward to, definitely. Chart music in Spain, man. Go to Marbella. Whatever we do, we could definitely end it with a, with a chart music club night. Ooh. If only any of us were DJs, yeah. <laughs> I know. I think we've got three DJs, haven't we? Out of the six of us. Well, I've DJed. Simon's obviously DJ. And David has as well. Three DJs and two MCs or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We can just play a half hour extended version of K Tal America to start the night off. That'd be fucking mint. Yeah, and we'll have a sort of erection section called Taylor Parks' Romantic Moments. Yeah, or, or, or Simon Price's Pants Tent. <laughs> So, yeah, if you are wavering over joining Patreon, Polk Craze Youngsters, now is the time. Get them little fingers tapping on the keyboard, www.patreon.com slash chart music. 
Here are the people who've already done that this month, who we are going to say the names of and praise to the fucking skies. In the $5 section this month, Murray Briggs, Thea Bolstad, Gordon Kyle, Mark Ripper, Tom W.H. Brown, Finley Napier, Circuit 3, Synth Pop for the Masses, <laughs> Adam Maluska, Padrag Reader, Michael Pryor, Robin, Jade Bowyer, Ian M. Spillane, Guy Millard, and Paulie Pops of Australia. Ooh. And in the $3 section, we have Ron, your dark mate Sims, <laughs> Sonic Tiller, John Lynch, Leon Masse, and Jez Bernholz. You fucking lovely, lovely people. God Legends, we love you all. Morally sound mm. people, but also damned attractive. Yeah. And of course, one privilege that our Patreon subscribers get is to rig the brand new chart music top 10. Are we ready, boys? Yes. Hit the music! We've said goodbye this week to Neil Cougar Kulkane, your dark mates, and man to man meet Al Needham, which means one up, five down, one non mover, and three new entries. Down from number 9 to number 10, it's Sarah B and Rakim. Up one place from number 10 to number 9, Chicken Steven. Dribbling down one place to number 8, here comes Jizzle. Stay in there, go on. Last week's number 5, this week's number 7, Bomber Dog. Classic. The first new entry this week, straight in at number six, Bombers Like Duran Duran. <laughs> Last week's number two drops three places to number five, Dave D, Creeper, Twat and Cunt. <laughs> it's a new entry at number four for Pig Wanker General. <laughs> a non-mover at number three, Lesbian Door Factory. Last week's number one has dropped one place to number two, Jeff Sex, <laughs> which means Britain's number one. The highest new entry, straight in at number one, Quo Waddy Wadder. <laughs> oh man, what a shocker that is. I thought Jeff Sex would be up there for fucking ever. He shot his load, he blew his load. He early, did, did, yeah. Jeff. yeah he yeah. did. Mm. <laughs> There went Jism. <laughs> <laughs> Pig wanker general. I mean, come on, that's ragger, isn't it? I know, man. I see the the pig bit obviously makes me think of pig bag, so kind oh. of, sort of tribal jazz funk thing. But I don't know. I think yeah. that's, a, that's that's a doom metal band all the way. Do you reckon? Yeah. yeah, yeah would they have that. one of those uh, one of those logos that's made out of thorns and you can't even read what it says? Or twizzly round pig's cocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Indeed. Well, bummers like Duran Duran, I mean, uh, clearly, that's we, we, we know what they're all about. See, part of the fun of this is like um, trying to remember the yes. context in which the phrase yeah. originally came up. And I, I couldn't figure out, is um, is it like Duran Duran are bummers and uh, they are, you know, within the category of bummers? Mm. Um, or is it a sentence, bummers like, as in enjoy, Ooh. Duran Duran? Oh, no, 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 it comes from Taylor's around? mate. All right. Remember when we did Long Hot Summer, Simon, and Taylor was right, watching right. it with his mate? 
And uh, his mate's trying to convince Taylor and himself that uh, Paul Weller really isn't being gay. He's taking the piss out of bombers like Duran Duran. Well, I reckon they're sort of slightly jokey American emo indie band um, because of like gay for Johnny Depp, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm coming at. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Quo Waddy Waddy, well, you know, just just writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to get involved in this chart and get Jeff Sex back where he belongs, www.patreon.com slash chart music. Well then, Pop Craze Youngsters, we have reached the final stage of our Critics' Choice series. It's been a lovely uh, five episodes or so, hasn't it, chaps? It has. It's been it's been slightly revealing of all the chart music Yes, I think. Yes. <laughs> And the revolving stage takes one more turn to reveal, under a spotlight, our Simon. Hello. Your turn, Simon. Yeah, very excited about this one. And tonight, Matthew, Simon is going to be... 2nd of August, 1979. Oh, it's the (laughs) Avens again. What a surprise. (laughs) This this one, you can see this coming a mile off. Because, Simon, you know, we have... We have had this conversation recently about you mulling over the merits of 1979 over 1981. Is this your attempt to set the record straight, as Reef said? Well, I've been thinking about it, you know, the relative merits of 79-81. And yeah, I do think that essentially um, 81 might have been better for kind of, for albums rather than singles. It was, uh, and more about the sort of slightly edgier alternative stuff, but in terms of pure pop with capital P O P, I think nineteen seventy nine and an exclamation mark at the end. Yes, yeah, I think nineteen seventy nine edges it definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you've already come to your decision then, Simon. Well, I, I I think they can both share the prize in different ways. I think everyone might as well switch off now. We know the answer. To that. <laughs> no, 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 Simon, Simon. Yeah. We'll, We'll go through this episode, and I'm going to come back to you. Yeah, okay. I'm going to force an answer out of you. All right. Okay. Okay. I'll get thinking about it. But it has to be said well in advance. Simon's picked a very good episode. It's fucking stonking, isn't it? It's amazing. It is, it is. (laughs) Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the first 1979 episode we ever did uh, was your two. Um, yeah, I've definitely done 79. Rabbit the yeah. Angel yeah, of Death. Yeah. And it, it right. wasn't that good an episode, was it? I no, seem to recall. no. This one's a bit more like yeah, it. Yeah, we're though. making up for it now. Well, shall we tuck in? Oh, yes. Radio One News. In the news this week, 
Nigeria has claimed all BP oilfields in its territory for itself and told Britain to fuck off. Margaret Thatcher has pulled a U-turn on what's currently known as Zimbabwe Rhodesia and admitted that the black people there should run things. Christian Bernard has turned down £100,000 to perform a head transplant on behalf of the National Enquirer. Edward Kennedy announces that he'll fight Jimmy Carter for the Democratic presidential nomination next year. Idi Amin's wife, or one of them in any case, has been telling her story to the Daily Mirror all week. She wasn't keen about him getting married all the time and having to share his bed with all his other wives, but she has to admit he was dead good with the kids. <laughs> a man from Southampton who claims to be a direct descendant of Dracula and has changed and has changed his name to Count John Alucard, which is Dracula spelt backwards, is fined four pounds in court for biting a mugger. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth and Anthea Redford have split up, and so has Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett. Etta announced that they're calling a truce on their terror operations on holidaymakers after killing five people in Madrid. The Monopolies Commission demand that walls and lines made cease banning their rivals' products from shop they sell their wares at, meaning you can now buy a funny feet and a lolly gobble chalk bomb from the same paper shop. You see, chaps, the free market really does work. Just Thatcher's in, isn't it? That's what's going on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The British phonographic industry have forced TDK to pull an advert for their blank tapes, which have the slogan, for a price of a good double, you could have 30 singles. Oh. Emlyn Hughes is transferred from Liverpool to Wolves for £85,000, and Malcolm McDonald is retired from football after his knee finally caves in. End of an era. Tony, but here's another fucking end of an era. Tony Blackburn has been dropped from his afternoon slot on Radio 1 after he coated down a newspaper critic on air who had a go at him. (laughs) While he'll be moved to the Sunday Top 40 show, Duran Duran, and a Saturday morning show, Dog on a Tape Recorder, his slot will be taken over by the young and thrusting Andy Peebles. Christ. But the big news this week is that Jonathan King's plans to release the Yorkshire Ripper tape as a single on blood red vinyl and sell it for 33 pence has been blocked. Fucking hell. A lot of people will want to hear it, said King, out of the side of his mouth. <laughs> It'll appeal to people who go and watch traffic accidents. It'll appeal to people right across the board. Oh, Jesus. Fucking He's a hell. Disgrace, isn't he? Dear, He's oh, fucking word. dear. And if you're going to release anything Yorkshire Ripper related, it has to be some sort of remix of the footage when he was taken to court that was unmistakably on the news, and I remember seeing um, live, where somebody from Leeds just shouts, fucking die, you bastard! <laughs> really loud. You didn't really get pitch side camera, uh, you know, microphone sense. You didn't hear swearing on telly that much. Yeah. No, especially not on the news. So that was a glorious moment. That that re-rubbed into a sort of little disco anthem would have been great. Yeah. If he'd been allowed to do it, you know, you wonder if he would have gone the full, like, Sutcliffe the Musical of Brass Eye. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, I, I, when, when I, was, I think I was working for Time Out at the time when um, that uh, Brass Eye series was going on. And yeah. um, 
Chris Morris used to get in touch with me um, to sort of like uh, sort of feed me little bits of disinformation or, um, you know, just stuff about brass. For example, you know, when there was a, a little flash on the screen that said grade is a cunt. Mm. Yes. The reason the world knew about that was because he told me and I put it in the timeout sideline section, flagged Good it up Lord. for people to sort of watch it. Um, but anyway. In advance? Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember um, a Melody Maker um, and he was going to give us posters of Sutcliffe the Musical to give out as prizes. And, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, but they never came through. And I was good oh, because I just wanted one for myself. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, um, yeah, so what, Jonathan King, so the tapes, does it mean we're side Jack? Is that what he means? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I will kill again and all that. Wasn't even That's... Peter Sutcliffe. No, exactly. Just a I, fucking ringer. It's like plastic Bertrand and Lou de Prick all over again, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, and Jonathan King will come up again in this episode, I will say spoilertastically, but we'll come to that. Mm. I just gotta say, ever since you mentioned it, I can't stop thinking about this vampire guy in Southampton. Count John Alucard. Because yeah, there was a sort of um vamp exploitation film uh, in which there was a Johnny Alucard, wasn't there? I can't remember which mm-hmm. one it yeah. was. Like a comedy vampire movie. But just this story of him biting a mugger. Um that, you know, there are more questions and answers with it. I want to know more. Like, was yeah. he being a vigilante vampire, like hanging around the streets of Southampton, looking for... Upside down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hanging from a lamppost upside down, just looking out for any um, troublemakers and then swooping down and biting a mugger. Or did the mugger make the big mistake of trying to mug the one guy in Southampton <laughs> that you really don't want yeah. to mug? This guy thinks yeah. he's a fucking vampire. Yeah, breaking into his coffin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really want to know more, but I'm, I'm going to be Googling the shit out of that after we finish, I tell you. On the cover of The Enemy this week and The Melody Maker, Jimmy Page. On the cover of Smash Hits, The Undertones. The number one LP in the UK at the minute is the best disco album in the world. Replicas by Tubeway Arm is at number two. Over in America, the US number one single, Bad Girls by Donna Summer. Mm -hmm. And the number one LP in America, Bad Girls by Donna Summer. So, dear boys, what were we doing in August of 1979? Um, right, 1979. Yeah, we've done um, 1979 before, obviously, so I'll keep this brief. But just to recap, um, between... Uh, well, the summer holiday in 1979. Yeah, exactly, so, it was a summer you, holiday. It must have been a different you at that time. It was, it was, because, I mean, it was a bit of a dark time. Uh, as I mentioned before, between 1978 mm. and 80, I was at boarding school. And whenever I mention this, I've got to stress that it wasn't because I was posh. Mm. Quite the opposite. Yeah. In fact, we didn't have mm. a pot to piss in. My mum was um, a single parent, and uh, she put herself through teacher training with the hope of getting a job in Wales but instead she answered an ad for a job at a prep school in Sussex and the deal was that I had to go with her and uh, get educated for free and it was brutal and draconian and abusive um, not in a sexual way but in a physical and psychological way and it left a trauma that I've got to say stays with me 40 years later. The main positive from it was just meeting kids from all around the world. Um, I'd never met a black person till I went to that school. Suddenly I had Mm. dark mates, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I I had friends from uh, Lebanon and Venezuela and Nigeria and Spain and places like that. And we we had this kind of survivor's solidarity. We were all enduring this kind of violent and sadistic regime together. Um, And my one lifeline was the radio, on which I used to listen to the Top 40 on a Sunday night in some hidden corner of the grounds. But this, as you say, August 1979, it was the summer holidays. Blessed relief from all that. Mm dark grim shit so i was back in wales and uh, re- hey. reconnected with my old friends playing football every day till it got dark like 11 year olds do or, or did in those days you know probably not anymore yeah. and um, and i was allowed to watch top of the pop so i i vividly um 
remember this particular episode for for a number of reasons, and uh, that's why I chose it. Um, apart from it being an almost absurdly abundant and plentiful episode in terms of quality, mm, so it's a veritable harvest festival of pop. It is, <laughs> yeah, and um, and it's also because um, I, I've been immersed in 1979 world lately. I mean, there've been a lot of 40th anniversary landmarks. Um, yes. I've done some writing work involving a couple of the acts on this episode, which we'll come to, and. Um, my my club night spellbound did a 1979 special playing six hours of nothing but 1979 music which was amazing fun so i've i've been living and breathing the air of what i maintain is the year the 80s really began i i even watched the um the rock and roll years we we talked about that before that uh, the the episode for 1979 oh it's fantastic just just a great series um people should get on youtube and just wallow in that series it's fantastic Mm. so that was me yeah neil like you say summer holidays so i was um you know outwardly a happy kid i was out there playing kirby waiting for the alpine man all all the stuff that we've mentioned yes. before but there, I mean there were two sort of locuses of fear that were opening up in me Ooh. a little bit one was dogs in general because yeah. they, we're talking obviously about a time where massive packs of feral stray dogs would just roam the streets with erections rabies yeah with yeah, out. yeah and 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 so occasionally you turn a corner they'd they'd come charging at you and my, my <laughs> consequent fear of dogs was really growing at this time that Scared me. Also, um, the punk house, which was down the road. Ooh. And I think I've mentioned it before, but there was one house in our sort of, you know. Uh, I don't think you have. Oh, haven't I? Well, there was one house. Know. Tell us all, Neil. Tell us all. It, it's not that exciting, but there, there was one house down the road. Um, I lived on a street called Oxenden Way in Ernstford Grange in Coventry. And, and a road off that was called Prince Thought Way. And on the corner, there was this house. And all you knew about it, really, was that people called it the punk house. Ooh. And all you saw at this place was skins and punks and people with Mohican haircuts and and, and stuff like this. And I'm talking like racist skins as well, you know, NF skins, Um, coming in and out um, in various states of pissness um, and just, just sort of playing near there. And seeing that developed in me, yeah, some sort of residual fear of punk rock to a certain extent. Did it have a massive safety pin going through the roof? <laughs> no, but that that was the weird thing. It just looked like any any old house. Oh. It, it wasn't even decrepit. They kept it nice. Um, it was only motorbikes outside, uh, but they, they didn't have any cars or anything. But it was just a nice looking house. But every now and then you'd see an almost cartoon-like troglodyte punk come out. Mm. With with a can of spec on the go, yeah, and um, yeah, and I just developed a sort of latent fear, I think, yeah, of punk music. I, I associated it with violence and all of that, and same with skinhead culture as well, which we'll probably come to talk about later. Mm. This yeah. was really the time when cov skins, in particular, were banding together a bit more, yeah. and they were. You know, I didn't know the signs. My sister used to tell me that, yeah, if they've got, you know, if they've got red docks on, they've got this colour laces yes. in, then it means this, you know. Yes. Um, but I didn't know those signs. I just, anyone who looked skinheady, I was kind of petrified of. So simultaneous freedom of the summer holidays, because summer holidays just seemed to go on for fucking ever back yeah. then. It was like 12 weeks or something. Yeah. Um, simultaneous that with a slight growing of fear towards um, dogs and punk rock. Oh, the laces thing. Yeah, the laces. Yeah, and I'm I'm really worried about this. That um, maybe because I've because I've started or sort of maybe recommenced um, dressing in a kind of skinhead way lately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, you know, somewhere in massive Dr. Martins and the Crombie and Fred Perry's and braces and all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant of all these kind of coded symbols of, of the colours. And I'm worried that I'm getting it wrong. And I'm walking down the street <laughs> and somebody's looking at me thinking, oh, my God, he really hates, I don't know, Vietnamese people or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, was, I was in a pub um, the other day and I was wearing a Fred Perry. And this bloke said to me um, that the particular um, colour combination I had on the Fred yeah. Perry, uh, he's going, he's going um, are you one of the proud boys? You know, those fucking alt-right mm. twats. Who oh, are, yeah. Um, yeah. They're launched by that. Um, wanker Gavin McInnes who launched Vice oh, what a shit name for your fucking right wing yeah, yeah. group you sound like this really fucking awful 80s band yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like, you, like you're fucking supporting King on tour <laughs> fuck off <laughs> come on racist sort your fucking branding out <laughs> but yeah and I, I was like Jesus Christ no I'm you know far from it I'm the opposite but yeah it's just it's really worrying that you could uh, accidentally be given off these signs that, that were never intended. No, because uh, that reminds me, because I had a mate who was thicker than Barry White's shit on Boxing Day morning. <laughs> and he started to wear Doc Martens. And so therefore, from there on in, because this was uh, early 80s, would have been like 82, 83 or something. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he immediately got called Elliot because these boots were so fucking big and clumpy that made him look just like Elliot on the Atari version of the E.T. game. You know that one that that was absolutely shit and um, Atari eventually had to just landfill fucking you know, hundreds of thousands of them? No, I don't actually. So that, that's a really niche nickname. I love it. I love these nicknames that yeah. are a tiny little detail, but, you know, it, it sticks. So anyway, we got Dossing around the shopping centre on the weekends and he's got his fucking docks on again. And on the top floor, that's where all the youths congregate. And every time we walk past a gang of black lads, the fucking teat-sucking would be cacophonous. Yeah. And we're just there thinking, oh shit in hell what have we done yeah yeah and then you know a week or so later someone tells me about the lace coat and i'm like oh fucking hell because he's he's wearing white laces which means that you hate black people so you know we just told him you're not coming out with us with those fucking laces on because i want to bring some records home in a carrier bag on a sat there not my face yeah <laughs> no wonder monochrome was fashionable back in the early 80s because it was just dangerous to wear colors yeah you know you're either accidentally being racist or you're telling people that you like to certain gay practice <laughs> like even wearing your earring in the wrong ear you know yeah 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 yeah. why can't people say look i'm a big gay racist <laughs> on a t-shirt that's, yeah I, I believe that's the title of the next morrissey album <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i was probably massively unfair back then i probably misinterpreted people's looks as has happened to simon it's just that for me if i saw a pair particularly you know the 72 hole docks those really long ones uh, if I saw a pair of them, I just immediately associated it with things that I'd seen. And I'd never seen yeah. skinheads like picking on, like you say, Al, other black lads who were their same age. Yeah. It was more that you'd see skinheads, I don't know, picking on an old Asian woman or something in yeah. town or something like that. And so because of that association, I just as soon as I saw that look, as soon as I saw Docs, to be fair, yeah. that was it. That was it, you know. Mm. Well done, feminists of the 80s, for uh, claiming Doc Martens off racism. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> As for me, I was properly shitting myself about this time. I'm weeks away from starting big school. Yeah. Ooh. Which absolutely shit me up. I mean, the, I think mm-hmm. the previous week ago or a fortnight ago, I stayed at my junior school on, on the last ever day for ages. 
I think, you know, school, school kicked out about all past three. I think I was there until all past five because I just did not want to leave the place. I fucking loved it there. Aww. And it got to the point where every other kid had gone home and I'm st- just still standing there hoping that I could stay there forever. And the teacher saying, oh, look, oh, you've got to go, mate. Oh, mate. And I remember walking through the school gates on my own, holding uh, my, my copy of Test Match. Uh, that that cricket game that had the uh, the realistic batting action that looked like Jeffrey Boycott was holding a, a Hoover. Is that what you took in on the last day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember walking out holding that, tears streaming down my face because I knew everything was going to turn to shit as soon as I went to that other school because it had mates older than me and they'd gone to the secondary school and all of a sudden they'd come back through the gates on their way back from it. Uh, while we're going home, and uh, their faces had just changed. They're just, yeah. you know, I mean, puberty had a lot to do with it, but it's like, oh, you're a hard face oh, fucker nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, that's going to happen to me. So, uh-huh. honestly, if I could have picked one month out of my life to live in forever, it would either be sort of early 1992 or May or June of 1979, because I fucking loved mm. it there. Everything's lovely. And music-wise, everything's still up for grabs, mm-hmm. you know. Like most kids, it wouldn't be until I started secondary school where you get forced into being into a, in, a, in a tribe, if you will. Yeah. I was still picking and choosing, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just started buying records. So, you know, my record, my single yeah. collection yeah. at the time would be things like Reasons to be Cheerful by Ian Jura, uh, uh, Get Up, Stand Up, Strut Your Funky Stuff by Frantique. There was no discernment. Absolutely, yeah. I, I could. It's like, oh, I like that song. I'll buy it, and I don't give a fuck what anyone's going to say. And that's yeah, going to yeah, change, yeah. yeah. Possibly during this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, shall we? Uh, shall we riffle through the box full of old music magazines and pick out one from this very week, chaps? Yes, please. Good skills. Well, this week I've gone for the enemy, August the fourth. 1979. On the cover, Jimmy Page in a velvet jacket and a white granddad shirt. Above the headline, Tory Rocker speaks out against redundancy charges. (laughs) Oh, enemy. You and your bloody politics. (laughs) In the news, well, the top story this week is hot on the heels of their announcement that they're playing Nebworth. Led Zeppelin announced their first new LP in three years. In Through the Outdoor. A Zep spokesperson confides that it was recorded at Polar, Abba's studio, but quashes the rumours circulating in other music papers that Frida and Agneta are singing backing vocals on it. Or can you imagine? <laughs> well, it might have improved it. It's a terrible record. Yeah. I only really got the um, the euphemism, the innuendo of, mm. of uh, the, the title In Through the Outdoor years later. You know, I just, I, I just thought it's an innocent title about, you know, how they're. Wait a minute! It, it wait, a minute. it is an innocent title, isn't it? What, what? Yeah, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, it's a quote from a Prince song that's not going to be released for another six years, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sham 69's farewell gig at the Rainbow ends after five songs when a riot breaks out. Oh dear. The Deeply Veiled People's Free Festival is on after a hearing at Manchester High Court. The festival is expected to host the likes of Spiz Energy, Misty in Roots, John Cooper Clark, Brenda and the Hot Dicks, 
Martian schoolgirls and vibrant thigh. Strong line, eh? Thin Lizzy's US tour is being marred by Gary Moore walking out on the band midway through and people dying at them. At a gig in Miami, where they were supporting Journey, a, quote, heavy metal freak drove his car at a police barrier outside and got himself and two bystanders shot. Then in Cleveland, when they were on a bill with Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, ACDC and Scorpions, another fan was shot while someone else drowned in the river outside. Jesus. And people go on about Altamont. <laughs> These things come in threes, don't they? Meanwhile, keeping his little Scottish head out of the way of the crossfire, Liz's current filling guitarist Midge Ur announces that he's not staying with the band and will be starting his new job, lead singer of Ultravox, as soon as the tour is over. Arista have won the bidding war for the hottest unsigned band in the UK, Secret Affair, and will be releasing their debut single, Time for Action, under the band's new label, I Spy. Tubeway Armour have announced a second date at the Hammersmith Odeon in September, with all profits, including artist management and promotion fees, going to the Save the Whales Fund. And the electric cheers have sacked their front person, Wayne Counter, claiming that he is so wrapped up in his personal change that he is not contributing creatively within the band. County is now working with the band's ex-manager in order to raise enough money for his ongoing gender realignment. I think this is the time that he started going around the playground that, oh, have you heard that song, If You Don't Want To Fuck Me Baby, Baby Fuck Off? <laughs> when I um, went to Detroit last year, I was so excited that um, the airport we landed at was called Wayne County Airport. <laughs> I not believe it. Obviously, photo opportunities in front of the sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interviews. Well... Jimmy Page talks to Chris Salowitz about what he's been doing since the last Led Zeppelin tour, shills his band's album and Nebworth gigs, blathers on about Rastafarianism, talks about being a Tory voter and claims that Dire Straits are a new wave band. Oh dear. Dennis Bavell talks to Ian Penman about the success of Silly Games by Janet Kay, producing the slits and his experiences in the sound system scene of the early 70s. The piece also mentions his next project, producing the debut LP of the specials. Well, can you imagine if that had come off? Oh man, yeah. It would have had a totally different sound. I mean, mm. yeah. thinking of him doing cut that year with the slits. God, what would that mm. have sounded like? I mean, it's brilliant as it yeah, is, yeah. but I'd love to hear sort of an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine yeah, that's yeah. a sort of double CD deluxe thing. Yeah. Pete Erskine conducts the last ever interview with Lowell George, the Little Feet guitarist who died in June. He had a moan about the lukewarm response to his solo LP and talked about his band's final LP, which he was mixing at the time. Punk is dead! But posing by brick walls is still alive and well, goes the headline of Adrian Thrill's interview with Secret Affair, which consists of Ian Page displaying his hatred of the punk elite, proclaiming that they're the mod band most likely to succeed, and if any punks came to their gigs, they wouldn't tell them to fuck off, but they'd like them to listen to what they had to say, because it's time for action. See, I'm imagining that the young Neil Kukani would have approved of uh, this kind of anti-punk message they had going on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all. It was all. It, you saw these people less and less, and they were getting increasingly. How can I put it? You know, like in London, people were posing with Mohicans with policemen for mm. Japanese tourists. Yeah. You started seeing more punks like that. I would say, 
And yeah. perhaps those people who were punks in 77 were already elsewhere. The singles page this week is reviewed by Tony Parsons. <laughs> His single of the week, Las Vegas by American Echoes. He rattles on about gambling in Elvis films for 200 words or so without saying much about what the record actually sounds like. Rock Lobster by the B-52s, on the other hand, is given a thumbs all the way up. According to Parsons, they have the imagination we used to credit polystyrene with and are an all-American Roxy music. Christ, okay. But actual Roxy music, and Brian Ferry by extension, are coated down in a review for Angel Eyes, which is described as tinne and tacky. Piss off. TV is King by The Tubes is described as a hippie burlesque show, while Dollar, with their new single Love's Got a Hold on There, could very well be Mickey and Minnie Mouse under the skirting board, enjoying a bit of Brie together. After the Lovers Gone by Earth, Wind and Fire is, quote, as enrapturing as reading someone else's horoscope. Fuck off. And the band are the crafty, colourful, diddy-coy mystics of the discotheque. And Parsons reveals the identity of M.O.D. and his new single of the same name. It's none other than David Essex. No. Have you heard that song? I haven't, no. Well, it's essentially a David Essex song about being a mod 14 years ago. All right. In the LP section... An entire page is given over to the, quote, best rock and roll album of the week, Risque by Chic. Danny Baker builds a cast iron case for the band, the LP, and disco as a whole as something that can stand shoulder to shoulder with anything rock and roll can produce and says that they are currently making some of the most exciting and strongest music available in any field or civilization. Hear, hear, sir. Go on, Danny. Angus McKinnon handles Street Life by the Crusaders and Raw Silk by Randy Crawford in one review. The former is the band's best LP for some time and the latter is a classic and he coats down Warners for not releasing it in the UK. Rick Joseph, on the other hand, is disappointed by God Bless Starjets, the debut LP by the Belfast-based War Stories hitmakers, and he says it was brought into the world by a backstreet caesarean operation. <laughs> the live LP Mods Mayday 79, featuring Beggar, Squire, Small Hours and the Mods, is reviewed by Roy Carr, who concludes that the fifth band, Secret Affair, take full advantage and completely dominate the event, being one of the few Mod Mark II bands to realise that they're engaged in a renewal programme as opposed to a revival. Secret Affair are getting mad love. Yeah. The Gig Guide. Well, David could have seen Rockin' Dopsy and the Cajun Twisters at Dingwalls, The Undertones at the Marquee, Cabaret Voltaire and Spiz Energy at the Deptford Albany Empire, Ian Jury at the Blockheads at Hammersmith Odeon, or Stiff Little Fingers, Star Jets and the Vapors at Hammersmith Palais, but probably didn't. I've <laughs> seen Dwayne Dopsy, Rockin' Dopsy's son. Oh, Christ. really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lovely Any Cajun. Good? Yeah, Cajun stuff. Yeah, it's good fun. Ooh. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Taylor could have nipped out to see UB40 at Balsall Heath New Inn, Killer at the Mercat Cross, The Crack at the Shirley Red Lion, Freebird at the Barrel Organ, The Small Hours in the Merton Parkers at Barbarella's, 
Edison Lighthouse at Thursday's Disco or Ezra Pound at the Hopwood Caravan Club. Sarah could have witnessed the specials at the whole Wellington Club, the pretty British at the Leeds Ford Green Hotel, Black Slate at the Bradford Palm Cove Club, and Liquid Gold at Romeo and Juliet's in Doncaster. (laughs) Neil could have checked out Street Lights at Wrighton Bridge in Coventry, Pressure Shocks at Wolverhampton Civic Hall, or gone out to the bright lights of Walsall to see the amazing Dark Horse. (laughs) No, fuck that. I'm not going to the Black Country. (laughs) Al could have seen Gaffer at the Imperial Hotel, Adam and the Ants at the Sandpiper, Medium Medium at the Hearty Goodfella, or some chicken and guile here at the Imperial. (laughs) No, mate. And... Simon is pretty much fucked this week because the only thing that seems to be happening in Wales is the Radio Luxembourg Summer Road Show, which is blazing a trail through Rill, Fishguard, Tembe and Porthcore, which, as we all know, is the site of the fake moon landings. (laughs) In the letters page, Steve Kelly of Hornsey has, quote, had enough of your useless music paper. Every week I read it, hoping to see about new rockats, but all I see is punk, punk, and more punk. He lays into the writer Harry George, who he describes as an incompetent fool for having the nerve to cope down Ricky Lee Jones and the Climax Blues Band. He demands that the enemy send a letter of apology to Led Zeppelin and says... <laughs> And says, believe me, when they play Nebworth, all those people who turn to punk in their absence will find out who the true heroes are. I really think they should have done. I think Enemy should have sent a letter of apology uh, Mm. to Led Zeppelin, but done it like, you know, when Boris Johnson had to send that letter to the EU, but petulantly (laughs) refused to sign it. Yes. (laughs) He also claims that the only punk band with any credibility are the superb police. Uh, this guy, Steve Kelly of Hornsey, is clearly waiting around for sounds to happen yeah. and also waiting around for Kerrang! to happen as mm. well. A paranoid of the Rock Against Trendies movement is well dischuffed that NME gave over six pages to a Paul Morley interview with Devo as they are professional trendies. <laughs> he also thought that John Lydon was dead good on Jukebox Jury. Mm. Isabel and Eric are furious at Jimmy Perse for saying that magazine are shit in a recent interview when it's obvious that his 15 minutes are up and Howard Devoto's are just beginning. Right. Pedro of Norwich claims that Punk and The Clash are dead and gone, while real working-class youth of Newcastle claims that every letter in gas bag is written by middle-class farts pretending to be a working-class intellect. That's probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finally, there's an open letter to Nick Kemp from Bruce Thomas, bassist of the attractions who Kent described as, quote, deliriously drunk and sullenly attempting to get backstage for Chuck Berry's set. He doesn't have the right credentials, but in his torpor, he refuses to understand this. Instead, he whines and looks pathetic in a piece about B.B. King the other week. Bit fucking rich coming from Nick Kent, calling anybody else deliriously drunk. (laughs) There we go. Thomas explains that he couldn't give a toss about Chuck Berry. Kent had been ignoring him all night, and if the writer stops slagging him off, he'll tell him something really interesting about Bob Dylan. 
Kent replies that he tried to get Thomas's attention and help him backstage, but he was so pissed up that he didn't recognise him. Mm. Oh. Could have just made that a phone call, really. I don't think the rest of the world needs to see this kind of petty bickering between mates or whatever. Yeah, 56 pages, 20p. I never knew there was so much in it. <laughs> Did you ever edit a letters page when you were in Melody Maker? What was that like? All the time, yeah. I mean, I edited the famous uh, Your Dark Mates mm-hmm. page. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite good fun, actually. You just uh, get given a plastic bag full of letters and uh, just way through them. Most of them were absolute shite. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It was quite commonplace to make a few of them up, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, basically, we, it was just uh, an excuse for us to... Uh, take the piss out of the readers and occasionally you get something really articulate and uh, sometimes uh, um, maybe present company included mm-hmm. we'd, get, we'd actually uh, hire some some good writers from that uh, but then you know mostly it was just we, we would deliberately pick the idiots just so we could like rip into them you never picked out a letter that um that, that, that slagged off the magazine that you couldn't answer well no um, no. and, and frequently things like that it was like doing the singles page to a certain extent because it was an all-nighter you know, it was it was the kind of thing that you finished at two or three in the morning, and and you got increasingly fractious as you were doing it. Yeah. So uh, by the end of editing Batlash, uh, the last page of Melody Maker, yeah, you'd be you'd be basically slagging off the readers in a big way. I'm still mm. I'm still reeling from what that guy said. Pedro from Norwich, that every letter in the letters page is written by middle-class farts pretending to be working-class intellect. Um, that zings, man. That was real working-class youth of Newcastle. <laughs> that zings, man. But like Simon said, like Simon hinted, that is how I got hired. So uh, I'm not going to moan about it. bit different to the way we used to uh, edit the letters page at my magazines. <laughs> oh, Christ. Probably didn't need rubber gloves for those, did you? <laughs> But I suppose pre-internet, this was, yeah, the comments section in a way. It was the thread underneath the thing. Um, yeah. And it was a similar mix yeah. of our souls and, and the occasional, very, very rare little, little good letter as well. So what else was on telly this day? Well, BBC One starts the day at 6.40am with an hour and a quarter of the open university and then closes down for an hour and a half, then comes back hard with rhubarb, jackanore, CB bears, the Hanna-Barbera shaking hair bear bunch and why don't you... Why don't you? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to do the full thing. Okay, thank you. After the penultimate episode of the Flashing Blade, I love the Flashing Blade. What a theme tune that was! Do you remember that? Mm. Yes. Oh man, oh, God, you've yeah. got to fight for what you want and all that you believe. I was. I had mm. no idea who was at war with whom. It was something to do with Spain and France and Britain, and I couldn't. Yeah. Never, never figure out what the beef was between these guys. But it was just really exciting yeah. and glamorous. It was the kind of program that you'd hang around for just for the theme tune, and then you'd start flicking around the the channels to yeah. see what else was on. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. And then try and get back for the end bit. Yeah. After the flashing blade, they closed down for 25 minutes, recommencing at 11:25 for the first day of the second test against India. That's the one where Ian Botham goes mental with the ball, skittling out five for 36. Then it's Playboard with Christopher Lillicrap, (laughs) the midday news, a 10-minute interval, and then more cricket until 18 minutes past four when it's regional news in your area. Then it's Play School, Scooby-Doo, Play Away, and Captain Pugwash. After the evening news, it's nationwide, and we're led up to the main event with a repeat of part four of The Pirate Planet, the Doctor Who story starring Tom Baker. I'll bet Taylor was well up for that. (laughs) What a one-two for the young Taylor Parks. (laughs) 
BBC Two also start at 6.40 with an open university mega blast and then close down until 11. Then it's play school. Then they close down again for two and a half hours, coming back at two with two and a half hours of racing from Goodwood before picking up the cricket. Then it's salvation and politics from the Open University and they're just about to finish classic curling where Bob Nichols of Superior, Wisconsin faces off against Rick Folk from Saskatoon in a do-or-die Can-Am stone clash. <laughs> ITV commences at half nine with the wildlife series Naturally Scottish, then Writer's Workshop, Paint Along with Nancy, there's another one. There's another fucking mint theme tune that you hang around for. <laughs> Spider-Man, Garden in Today with Cyril Fletcher, Lucan, the drama series about a wolf boy looking for his mum and dad, Animal Quackers, where Rory Rory tells us a story of little sitting drum, and Once Upon a Time, Shaking Jack and Ore with Peter Davidson. After Emmerdale Farm, it's News at One, regional news in your area, Crown Court, Afternoon Plus at home with Mary Berry. Then it's the Benson and Hedges International Golf Open from Cornwall, followed by Johnny Quest, the American drama series Project UFO, News at 5.45, Crossroads, and they're two-thirds of the way into Sapphire and Steel. Oh, look at all those aces going down. <laughs> Some classic shows there, man. I know, man. Yeah, definitely. I just want to watch that day of telly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Never mind the top of the pops. A quick, uh, a quick cunt Incredible. alert, by the way, Ooh. because he's been mentioned. No, uh, beefy Botham, cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Want to elaborate on that? Or? Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I have it confirmed by my wife, who served him tea during a cricket match. Um, uh, right. During the break, apparently he was a right wanker. But anyone that altruistic who's constantly doing charity walks, I always have my doubts about them. What are they, try- <laughs> what are they trying to hide? What are they making yeah. up for? Yeah. Yeah, they, right about the early 80s, there was much debate in the playground whether Ian Botham was a raster or not. <laughs> what, because he smoked a bit of weed or whatever? Well, well no, no, because the red, gold and green um, sweatbands he wore on his wrist, ah. oh. like all, all the other uh, kids who were of that persuasion were yeah. on the playground at the time. I see, yeah. I needed to check the colour of his laces. GreatBigOwl.com Rule of three. We're people who make funny stuff. Talk about something funny that they love. Because I remember as a kid thinking that's a really good old-fashioned gag, but it's also nasty. The actual VHS, this is clearly sufficiently important to me that this went to house moves as well. There is that, that joy and that slight fear as well about who's going to say what. Everything from airplane to bottom. From when Harry met Sally to the Muppets. Trying is good. Aiming high is good. Being ridiculous and not being afraid of failure is is good. I think that joke is so fucking funny. Again, I just think this is hysterical. It's beautiful stuff. Rule of three from Great Big Owl. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.